0: Hi, this is John Hartra, and welcome to episode 18 of Keep On Grooving. Today, we look at the second album by the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Axis Bold is Love. It kind of gets overlooked it's between two acknowledged masterpieces, but it's an important key to see Jimi's progress as a writer and performer. Episode 18, Mixing It Up with the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Part 2, Axis Bold as Love. This one was originally going to be a little short because, like the album itself, everything I have to say is pretty compact and self-contained, but then I came up with the idea of noting the sessions, and that expanded things a little bit. It's still not super long, though. It's probably going to be a little short in 20 minutes, but we'll see what we can do. Axis Boulder's Love, SACD. Here's where we have the first case of where Jimmy had two albums released in the same year. It wasn't long after the release of Are You Experienced that the group began work on their second LP. A group of sessions in early May 1967 yielded a few songs, but the bulk of the recording took place at Olympic Studios in October. So let's go over the sessions one by one. There aren't too many of them until we get to October. Much like what happened with Electric Ladyland and this album, the recording sessions for Axis begin right around the time Are You Experienced hit the record stores in the UK in early May. May 4th marked the first sessions, and surprisingly, Noel got the first song. His She's So Fine was the first song begun for the album. They also recorded Taking Care of No Business, which didn't make the album, and began work on the first part of If Six Was Nine. They continued work on the second part of that song the next day under the title Symphony of Experience. They also recorded Mr. Bad Luck on the 5th as well, which also didn't make the album, but did make the radio show in 1988. On the ninth, he recorded the demo for Burning of the Midnight Lamp that appeared on the Purple Box. The band hit the road for the rest of May and didn't get into the studio again until June 5th the day after their famous Saville Theater show where they opened with Sarsha Peppers. Paul, not again. They did the instrumental take of Cat Talking to Me, but as I mentioned we're going over West Coast Seattle Boy, this vehicle, indented for Mitch's vocals, didn't get them until 20 years later. The band then headed for America and Jimmy's star-making appearance at the Monterey Pop Festival. After a bunch of dates in San Francisco, the band headed down to L.A. to record Burning of the Midnight Lamp and the Stars to play with Laughing Sam's Dice. But after three days of recording at the end of the month, Chaz scrapped everything because he didn't like the sound. A week later, on July 6th, he took the band into Mayfair Studios, run by producer Tom Wilson and engineer Gary Kelgren. After two days, they got the basic tracks and overdubs done for Midnight Lamp, including Jimmy's first recorded use of his wah-wah pedal. Laughing Sam's Dice took another session to get down. I mentioned some of this in the rundown of Midnight Lamp last episode. And speaking of something I've mentioned before, Jimmy also popped into the studio a couple of times to hang out with his old band leader, Curtis Knight, and did some recording with him. That led to an unending stream of headaches and lawsuits. We'll get to them in fuller fashion, don't worry. Just not today. After that, the band released Midnight Lamp as a single in the UK in August, but it only hit number 18, a bit of a disappointment. However, the band was so busy, they didn't get back into the studio until October 1st to continue work on the album. They started with Little Miss Lover before moving on to One Rainy Wish and You Got Me Floating. By the middle of that week, Ain't No Telling and the title track began to take shape before Castle's Made of Sand was recorded on the 5th. On the 6th, and went over to the BBC to record the first of two sessions for the broadcaster that month. The next week was busy on the road and over to Paris before they were able to return to the sewer for just one day on the 14th. Considering the main song they worked on and created that day was Little Wing, they'd say it was time well spent. After the second BBC session on the 17th, the band actually had a somewhat quiet week and a half before returning to Olympic for the final week of October. Little Wing was finished up and wait until tomorrow was put together. EXP was created on a Friday night. Spanish Castle Magic was done the next day. And Sunday was spent doing Up From the Skies and a full workout for Boulder's Love. They spent the next two days mixing and finishing up overdubs. They finished right around Halloween when an incident happened. Supposedly, Jimmy took the tape for side one with him to a party to play for some friends. The next day, he came back to the studio and said he left them in a cab. Whether or not this is actually what happened, you got me. Some people doubt the veracity of this story, saying Jimmy lost them on purpose and needed an excuse, something like that. All I know is what from what Eddie Kramer says, they had to redo all of Side 1 in one night. Whatever happened required Jimmy, Chaz, and Eddie to remix the side from scratch immediately since the record was due to track in a day. But they got it done, first the stereo mix, then spent the next day working on the mono mix. Axis Bold as Love is the last new Hendrix release to get a fully dedicated mono mix. The singles collection Smash Hits, released in April 1968, was also in mono, but all of it was previously released. The mono version remained available, but not easily accessible digitally, if at all. Now in the 21st century, not a whole lot of people are gonna be looking for mono mixes. But there's enough of a market out there that Experience Hendrix partnered with Acoustic Sounds to put out an SACD containing both the original stereo and mono mixes on one disc, as well as vinyl versions of each. Talk about a throwback, but it is a big market for that. So when going over the songs, I'll mention the major differences between the two mixes. Believe it or not, sometimes it's pretty substantial. The album kicks off with an odd little number called EXP. It features Mitch Mitchell in a sped-up voice as a radio host first station, EXP, and Jimmy as his old harmonica-playing buddy, Paul Caruso, in the form of a UFO expert. Or maybe something else. The track descends into guitar chaos before fading out in under two minutes. Supposedly the first mix of this was amazing, but when it had to be redone, Eddie said they didn't quite get it as good as the original. In the model version, there's not so much of a need for all that swirling around sound, so they decided to cut it about 40 seconds short and speed up the end. A bit of trivia, the assistant engineer on this track is Terry Brown, who decided a few years later to head over to Canada and got involved as a producer with a little trio named Rush. Coming out of the chaos of EXP is Up from the Skies, a quiet, jazzy little number where Jimmy gets to work out with his Wawa pedal for the first time on album. They decided to release this as the single from the album in the US. It wasn't exactly what the audience was looking for. The song was possibly played live once or twice early on along with EXP. Gil Evans played an extended arrangement for his shows at Sweet Basil one that Sting ended up singing along with on the B-side to his Englishman in New York single. I actually like the mono version of this better. The stereo version has the instruments a little too spread out. Forcing the sounds through one speaker puts the music together pretty nicely. Next up is Spanish Castle Magic. This driving rocker has Jimmy playing the piano after being taught the chords by Eddie. It's supposedly named after a nightclub in the Seattle area. Now, believe it or not, this is the song from the album that was played the most in concert, all the way through to his very last shows in Europe. The mono version of this one falls under the category a number of the mono songs on this album are. The Things Get Lost in the Mix category, the piano Jimmy really wanted on the song gets buried behind the wall of sound from his guitars and Noel's 8-string bass. Waiting Till Tomorrow is next, another quick little 3-minute number about Jimmy trying to get his girl to go out with him but she takes so long to decide, her dad ends up shooting him. It's actually funnier than it sounds. The mono version sounds pretty good here. I don't really have a preference between the stereo or the mono on this one. Eight No talent is up next. It's another quick little rocker. This one's barely a minute 45. Chaz must have been in heaven. Now I would have thought something like this would be perfect in mono, but it's one of those ones that's a bit too cluttered little too much going on next is little wing the album's most famous song was possibly inspired by jimmy's late mother the glockenspiel certainly gives it a different feel than the ballads on the previous album most of the cover versions of this song repeat the verses twice but here jimmy does them only once before launching into a lyrical solo that fades off he did the song live quite a bit in 1968 but after royal albert hall it pretty much disappeared from the set list. One of Jimmy's most covered tunes, it's been done as a wailing rocker by fellow guitar gods Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman on Layla, a long instrumental by Stevie Ray Vaughn, and a jazzy version with Sting teaming up with Gil Evans on Mr. Sumner's Nothing Like the Sun album. In mono, Jimmy's vocals are moved to the front, which is good, but the solo guitar at the end is shoved behind the vocals to the point where you can barely hear it. Not the effect I think they were going for. Side one ends with If Six Was Nine. This is one of the tracks recorded during the May sessions. When the one-night remix was done, they couldn't figure out exactly how the song was supposed to sound. Luckily, Noel had a reel-to-reel copy of it in his flat, so he went there and got it. You have to wonder where he kept it. It was practically falling off the stool and all crumpled up. They had to practically iron it out to play it. That tape may have been the source for the six-minute mono version on the 2000 box set. This version was remixed into stereo and trimmed by 30 seconds. It gained more notoriety in 1969 when it was used on the soundtrack of Easy Rider. The mono has the recorders towards the end shoved to the front quite a bit. By the way, the footsteps throughout the song are courtesy of Graham Nash, Gary Walker, and Chaz Chandler. You Got Me Floating, A Swirling Little Rocker kicks off side two. The band really didn't like it all that much, so they brought in a few guest singers on the chorus. Listen closely, and you may recognize one of the background singers as MOVE and ELO founder Roy Wood. Now, if it was Jeff Lynne, he would ring out clear as a bell. Supposedly, everyone involved wasn't particularly thrilled with this one. Maybe they had more expectations for it that they weren't able to achieve. The riff did turn up a couple times live, but they never did the whole song, at least to my knowledge. The mono version loses the little swirling at the beginning and falls kind of that cluttered category where everything just kind of falls on top of one another. Next up is Castles Made of Sand, another quiet lyrical number about three people dealing with the transient thing that is life. The second verse harkens back to his roots since he was part Cherokee from his grandmother. Lots of backwards guitar floating around on this one. And believe it or not, I like the mono one of this one better than the stereo, but just by a little bit. The quieter songs tend to have the instruments nicely positioned on the mono mixes. With She's So Fine, Noel gets his first song on an Experience album, and it's a quick little piece of British pop flower power. Jimmy adds some nice embellishments along the way, and Mitch drives the song from behind his drum kit. Mono's okay, nothing too drastic, nothing too thrilling either. Uh, next up is One Rainy Wish, also known as Golden Rose. And what, another ballad? So soon? Jimmy must have been in the mood, I guess. This one sounds like a sequel to May This Be Love from You Experience, and it continues the color motif on this side that started out in Castles Made of Sand. The mono on this one does miss the swirling round bits from the stereo version. This album had been a little light on the hard rockers, but Jimmy makes up for it in one 2 minute and 20 second song, Little Miss Lover. He cranks up the wah-wah pedal and slams it through this semi-follow-up to Foxy Lady. There's an acetate version out there where Jimmy starts out the song with a wolf whistle. The mono version doesn't quite sound as well as it should. You, you want these songs to kind of punch it out and, you know, again, it's just a little too cluttered. Plus, there's an odd double vocal right at the beginning. It sounds like somebody forgot to turn it down. So, another demerit for it there. The side in the album ends with Bold as Love. Like Are You Experienced? The title track ends the album and the color motif is in full force here. The original track runs seven minutes, but what Jimmy, Chaz, and Eddie decided to do is have Mitch do a little run down the drums, then have it switch sides and go out of phase. The song would return, but sped up a whole key. It's an ending you really don't get in mono since you can't hear the drums go from side to side. So, you know, what's the point there? So they wind the song down a little early on the mono version. Now, the funny thing is the missing tape from side one never really turned up, but an alternate stereo mix of the whole album did. Some European LPs and the first CD releases on Polydor in the 80s had a slightly different mix, which is also known as the safe stereo mix. If you were listening to it on the radio over your speakers, you probably wouldn't hear a major difference. But if you had your headphones on, there's a slight tweak in the vocals, some changes in instrument position, and overall, it's a little softer sounding. Now, where did it come from? It's probably what it says it is. It was a dub of the stereo mix for safety purposes. But One Rainy Wish is almost completely different. It's basically the one that was on live and unreleased as an unreleased version. (sighs) Yet another Hendrix mystery goes unanswered. As far as the SACD goes, it sounds great to me. But I normally listen to things on my iPhone with whatever headphones I can get a hold of. The best ones I had were actually a set my wife got me from Kohl's, where they're Kohl's cash. Like They were like five bucks a week. You know, perfect. People who know way more about this stuff than I do noted that the stereo alignment was slightly off or something to that effect. I defer to the folks over at the Steve Hoffman boards when it comes to specifics on sound quality. All I know is it sounded good on the headphones and in the car. The instruments had some nice airy separation, giving it some good depth. Now what happened to you your experience? first there were supposedly some mastering issues then supposedly some legal issues then supposedly even some artwork questions then a little pandemic broke out somewhere in there the decision was made to just have the mono mix on the sacd layer wow what a mess Next time, we go back to the beginning and do a deep dive into one of the most consequential debuts in all of rock history, Are You Experienced? And not just that, we'll also go into how Smash Hits was used in the UK and in the US to act as a compliment to this album, so listeners could get a full picture of Jimmy's emergence as a major figure in rock music. That's next time I keep on grooving. Please remember to hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. I'm John Hartrack. Thanks for listening.